0: teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Today we will hear from Pastor Fred Hewitt in the series Incomparable. Well good morning Elevation. Can you hear me okay? Oh, That's a good thing. Hey take your Bible and turn to the book of Colossians. We are going to continue in our verse by verse study through the book of Colossians and I hope that you are finding it very practical and you are Uh, gaining every week some take-home value that God is changing your life through his word. He wants to speak to you every week. By the way, while you're finding Colossians chapter 2, put your finger on verse 11. While you're finding that, let me just do a quick sidebar comment and tell you that how excited I am to be part of a young church. We're only two and a half years old, and most of the people in this church are younger than me. And uh, that just gives life to this church. But look, we are a church that is giving. This year, we will give close to 20% of all of our tithes and offering. We're giving it away to other people that need to hear about Jesus, that need hope in this world. And I want to say, that's exciting to me. When we reach this goal of of 8,000 or exceed that, we will be very close to 20% of all of our dollars that we receive that we're we're giving away to other people who need Jesus. And uh, so thank you for being a part of that. Uh, If you've been here for the past several weeks, and been here and been listening, I should add, to some of the guys out there, uh, you know that we are going verse by verse, and the, the part of Colossians that we are in right now is uh, focusing on the incomparable Christ. And what we're saying is that Jesus Christ alone is incomparable, it is beyond our ability to compare him to anything else or anyone else in the universe. There is none like him He's incomparable because of who he is, and today we want to look at the fact that he's incomparable because of what he has done. Paul writes this letter of Colossians, you may recall, to the church at Colossae, a young church in this community who started out right, started out strong, but then began to drift away from the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it could be that some of you today have done likewise. You came to the Lord at some point in time, and you started out strong. You were very zealous toward him. You never missed church. You were soaking up the Bible, God's word to you, soaking it up every day. But somewhere along the way, you have begun to drift. Well, you're not unlike most of us. We all have to battle that. And the people in Colossae were doing the same thing. And Paul wrote them to address this drift. And they were drifting toward the gospel with some other things added to it. That could collectively be called legalism. Legalism is the church creating an additional set of rules that one must follow to be good enough for God. And there's some real problem with legalism. When you begin down that pathway, it never ends because the truth is you and I will never be good enough, right? Right? I mean, many of you know me and know me pretty well, and you know that I am less than perfect, right? I mean, it's, we're getting close to the end of 2015, and I must confess to you, I messed up this last week. But we're in like week, uh, what, 50 of our 52 weeks in this year? So it's about time I messed up, right? <laughs> no, the truth is I quit batting 1,000 a long time ago, and so did you. We're all a mess. We all fall short. And we can never be good enough. And legalism says you must be perfect to be good enough. And we never will be. Legalism simply exposes the fact that we'll never be good enough. And, and, and it takes away from the fact that Jesus Christ alone was good enough. And so they had gotten off track. They had begun down this pathway. And I feel that, that some of us here today are troubled in the same way. So Paul wrote this letter to clarify this deception, to help pull the people back on track. And I want to tell you, as I prayed for you this week and and thought about this message and prepared for this, I think God has told me to tell you this, that this message will be especially useful and very meaningful to those of us here today who have struggled with, with discouragement, who are struggling with the... The fruit of the bad choices we made years ago and that the sting of sin and bad choices will go with us for many, many years and many of us struggle with how do we get free of that? How do we drop off this burden and live in the perfection of Jesus Christ who was perfect? That's why he is incomparable. And so I believe and, and I've been praying for you that this message will be especially meaningful to you. Now, as a way of just a, a little more of a brief recap to set the stage for what we're going to talk about today, I wanted to, to ask you to look back to Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. Here's what Paul said to the folks there in Colossae. He said to them, once you were alienated and hostile in your minds because of your evil actions. In other words, the thing that you have done in the past has caused you to think and act the way you think and act today. But he says, but now, Jesus Christ, he says, now he, meaning Christ, has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy and faultless and blameless before him. And then in chapter 2, verse 4, he continues And he said, I am saying this to you so that no one will deceive you with persuasive arguments because they had been pulled off track by those who were taking them away from Jesus. And he continues in chapter 2, verse 8. He says, be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition and not based on Christ. Many of us are caught today in human tradition human expectations, maybe the kind of church we grew up in and the condemnation that we heard. And it pulls us away from the purity and the perfection and the holiness that we have in incomparable Christ. So let me give you today's message in a nutshell. In fact, if you get this, I'll just stop right now, okay? We'll just go home a little early. You want to go home early? Here's the point of the message anyway. And I'm really not going to stop. I'm going to give you the whole dose, okay? But here's the point of the message. In a nutshell, you are complete in Christ. You are complete in Christ. And what I'm saying is if you've lived long enough to come to a place that you've recognized I am not perfect. In fact, I'm a mess. And everything I do is turning out badly. And you recognize that that you are a sinner as I did at the age of 19. I was on my way, I was in the Navy on my way to Vietnam, and I was scared to death that I was going to die. And I wanted to be sure that I knew Christ. And, and I came to that place, and I said, Lord, I, I need to know that you have forgiven me. I need to know that if I died next week, that I would spend eternity in heaven. And if you've come to that place and you've, you've admitted that you are a sinner and, and put your faith in Jesus Christ, then you are included in this statement when I say you are complete in Christ. And what I'm really saying is this when God looks at you, he doesn't see all of the blemishes from the sinful, poor, dumb decisions that, that you and I have made. Aren't you glad? God doesn't see us that way. How does he see us, Fred? God sees you through the perfection of his son, Jesus. He sees you through the blood of his son, Jesus, that was shed for you on the cross. And I don't know about you, but that makes me feel pretty good. Because I I begin to understand that I indeed am complete in Christ. And you are complete in Christ. And so the people in Colossae, they were not believing this. They were being pulled aside by some wrong teaching. And Paul writes to defend this argument and to explain it. And so what I want to do is take this premise, you are complete in Christ. And I want to drill down and use the arguments that Paul used in this defense of you and I being complete in Christ, that nothing else is needed. So if you have your program, turn it over on the back, find a pen, take some notes, write this down. You'll remember it about 20 times longer if you write it down. <clears throat> so find your program, find a pen, and write it down. There you go. <laughs> some of you guys don't think I'm looking at you, but I'm looking right at you. I know when you have a pen and when you don't. Unlike Santa Claus. Thank you, Tom, brother. Looking out for you, buddy. All right. Hey, well, let's, let's read the text first. These six verses, Colossians chapter 2, beginning at verse 11. Paul writes, in him, meaning Christ, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Sounds a little odd, but I will explain that in a moment. He then says in verse 12, You were also buried with him in baptism in which you were raised with him through faith in the working of God. That's a great phrase right there, underlined it if you have a traditional Bible. The working of God who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespass and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him having forgiven you all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or the Sabbaths. Father, I pray that you will take this Scripture, these six verses that, that seem odd at first, that, that may be a little difficult to understand. Father, help us to understand how we are complete in Christ. Father, help us to, to understand the freedom that we have in Jesus. Help us, Father, to leave the the sins of the dumb choices we made earlier in life. Help us to leave them today nailed to the cross because Jesus was perfect. This is our prayer now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let me tell you the parts of Paul's argument while he explains how you and I are complete in Christ. Again, this is for the believer, for the Christian, the person that has said, I am a sinner and by faith, I'm trusting that Jesus Christ was God's son, living a perfect life, nailed to the cross as payment for my sin. If you have done that, then these three statements apply to your life. The Christian, first of all, has complete salvation. It's a done deal. It's a done deal. Your salvation is complete. Now, if you've made a decision to follow Christ, then I want to tell you your salvation is absolutely No movement, no undoing. It is complete. However, in Paul's day, these people had slipped into the church. They were not watched carefully. They moved into positions of influence, and they were teaching that in addition to placing your faith in Jesus Christ, you must do something else. You must do the traditional Jewish ceremony of circumcision, if you're going to be a follower of Christ. And all throughout the Old Testament, circumcision was required as an outward sign to prove that you were part of the people of God. It was a requirement. And so they were taking the grace of God, the death of Jesus Christ, his perfection, and trying to add to it. And Paul came along when he heard about it and said, no way, that's wrong. What Christ did on the cross was complete. It never did needs anything added to it. Paul writes in in some language that are a little bit difficult to understand, but here's basically what he's saying. He is saying that formerly you needed circumcision as an outward sign. It was a spiritual surgery that was an outward sign that proved that you were a follower of Christ but he said we're talking about a whole new day for those who are following Christ. It's not an outward surgery. It's it's not a physical surgery. It's a spiritual surgery that doesn't remove the body of flesh from the penis of a newborn boy. It's a spiritual surgery that removes the body of sin. The old sin nature that you and I were born in, it removes that from us. And that's why Paul writes later and says, You are a new creation in Christ. Now, let me just explain that. You're not who you used to be. That's your old nature. You are a new creation created to be like Jesus, created in his newness, his freshness, like the purity of a newborn baby. Is there anything as pure as a newborn baby? I mean, don't you just want to hold a baby and pick him up and and smell him? They just smell so pure. That's the purity that you are as a new creation in Jesus. But if you're not careful… Somebody would come along and say, oh, man, why are you doing that? Come on and go with us again. Let's go out and have some fun. You can't have any fun as a Christ follower, as a Christian at church. And I want to tell you, it's a lot of fun being a, being a Christ follower. I have a lot of fun at church. So our identity is not in the circumcision of the flesh It is in the circumcision of the heart, the removal of the body of sin from us. Our identity is in him, is in Christ. That's your next blank. Write that down. My identity is in him. Now, why is that true? Because Jesus' mission was 100% accomplished. When Christ was on the cross, spread eagle, naked before everyone, there were a few things he said as he was dying, as his blood was being shed, as he was being mocked and ridiculed. The most important thing he said was to his Father God. He said, it is finished. And the Bible says he died. You see, what Christ did on the, fo- on the cross is a finished job. He completed his mission Nothing more needs to be added. Now, this time of the year, Christmas, we love to think about the baby, about God sending his son from heaven to earth, taking on flesh and bones and coming into the time and space of this world, being born in the humble surroundings of a barn. Any ladies lining up to give birth there? to be wrapped in the rags that they found or had brought with them because they had no clothes for him, to be laid in a feed trough that Joseph had cleaned out a little bit with his hand. What mom wants to do that? We love the story, and it's a wonderful story, and I love to, to hear about it, and I love to teach on it. But listen, that was necessary. Christmas was necessary so that Jesus could ultimately go to the cross Pay for your sin and my sin, having lived a sinless, perfect life. He was the once and for all, the final sacrifice, never again needing to be repeated. I want you to know today that you are complete in Christ and that your salvation is complete. That's a good place to say amen. That's a good place to say amen. All right. How about this side? Didn't hear anybody over here? Amen. Amen. Move on, Pastor Fred. Here we go. Number two, the second argument that Paul unpacks, complete forgiveness, complete forgiveness. He says in verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made you alive with him having forgiven you all your sins or trespasses. I love this truth. It's the most exciting part of the Bible, the fact that God forgives. God knows all about it. You can't hide it. You've been trying to hide it, but he knows. God has seen it. He was watching, and you would be so ashamed if anybody else knew about it. God knows. I want to tell you today, God has forgiven you. Look at me. God has forgiven you. There is no better news than that. You are forgiven. God knows, and he has forgiven you. Isn't that good news? Isn't that great news? Amen. God has forgiven you. So don't let anybody heap condemnation on you because Jesus said, go and sin no more, but I do not accuse you any longer. You are forgiven. And that's great news. Complete forgiveness. Now, many people, many Christians, some, perhaps many of us here today, struggle with this issue of forgiveness. It's hard to forgive people that have done certain things to you, isn't it? It's hard to forgive what was done to you. It's hard to forgive yourself for some of the sinful, wrong decisions that you have made. And we struggle with it. And so Paul drives home this truth. That those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, we are complete in Christ. Our salvation is complete. No ritual is required, and our forgiveness is complete. It is a fact, and so you need to begin believing it and acting like it and living that way. It's a whole new way to live, folks, when you know that you are forgiven. So forgiveness is complete, and our identity is in Jesus Christ, in our baptism in him. And here's what Paul said. Write these down. He said in verse 12, he said, having been buried with him in baptism. That's why you and I can say, I have been buried with him. Do you see the symbolism of being baptized Why do we practice baptism by immersion, by dunking? Because it symbolizes that we are in Christ and we have been immersed, we have been baptized in him. And then he says that that you and I have been raised in him. So after you are dunked below the water, and depending on what we know about you, sometimes we hold you down a little longer, you know what I mean? I mean, some of us need it, right? Right. One old oh boy, I held down to the bubble started coming up. And then I decided, well, it's time. Let's bring him up. We baptized like Jesus was by immersion, showing that we have been buried with him. The old Fred died. The old man, the old woman died, is buried with him. But then we are alive again in Christ. We were buried with him. We were raised with him. And then we can say, I am alive today, completely forgiven And my salvation is complete. Forgiven from the penalty of sin. Now, what does what does Christ's forgiveness look like? Many of us struggle with this. Let me just tell you two characteristics of of the forgiveness that you have from the Lord Himself. First of all, His forgiveness is complete. It's everything. It's everything you've ever done. He knows about it, and it's complete. Ephesians 1 7 says, We have redemption in him through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. By the way, the riches of God's grace are never ending. You can never use it all up. He's got enough riches of his grace for the entire population of the entire world that's ever lived. You'll never outrun the riches of God's grace. So God's forgiveness is complete. God's forgiveness is also complete. Coming from God as, as a, from an eager heart. In other words, God is eager to forgive you. Psalm 86, 5 says, For you, Lord, are kind and eager to forgive. God wants to forgive you. You just have to say, Lord, please forgive me. And then accept it and believe it. And live in that truth. The third part of Paul's argument here: he says the Christian has complete victory complete victory in life. And I see so many of us struggling, not living in, not enjoying the victory that we have in Christ. I love what it says in the Holman Christian Standard Bible, a little different than the one we read earlier. Verse 14, it says this, He, meaning Christ, erased the certificate of debt. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it out of the way by nailing it to the cross. What's that saying? It's saying that, that God took your certificate of debt. In other words, the list of all of your sins, everything, every offense you've ever made, everything you've ever done wrong, God took that list that he knows about, and he wadded it up. And when he allowed his son Jesus to be nailed to the cross, Your sin was nailed right there and covered and drenched with the blood of the Son of God, paying for your sin. I've served during wartime in the military and had to step up to the line saying, I'm ready, willing, and able to die for people in my nation so that they can be free. And every veteran understands this. So, I've been willing to die, but I've never been willing to die or I've never been willing to say, here's my son. I will let him die for all of these people in the United States of America or all over the world. See, that's what Christ did. He said, I forgive you and I love you enough that I will let my son die in your place, and through that we have complete victory. And so we can say this today, write this down, I am free by Him. I am free by Him. I love the song we started this service with, I am free. But many of us don't really live like we're free. We're living under that bondage of sin, and we're not sure that we're we're really saved. We're not living in the truth of our complete salvation, And, and we walk around with a condemnation and guilt and shame still on us. And I'm telling you today that you are completely forgiven, and we don't enjoy the victory in life that we have in Christ. Therefore, we don't live like we are complete. I want to say today that I am complete in Christ, and so are you. Let's say it together. I am complete in Christ. Let's say it again. I am complete in Christ. You are a whole person. You are a new creation. We're complete in Christ because Jesus paid my debt by nailing it to the cross. Jesus paid my debt and your debt by nailing, by nailing it to the cross. I wonder, as the nails were being driven into his wrist and into his feet, as he was hanging there in the shame, bearing the sin of you and me, all the world for generations and generations, as he took on that sin and his own father, holy God, turned his back on him, I wonder what Christ was thinking. I wonder if he were thinking of you and me. I believe he was. But yet many of us don't live in that reality. We don't live in that sin. We don't in, in that freedom that we have from sin. We don't live in the security of our salvation. We don't live in victory because some of those sins are hanging on we still deal with the consequence, the shame, the embarrassment, the condemnation. And so today, to close this message, I want to challenge us to do something that's sort of out of the box. We're an out-of-the-box kind of church, aren't we? I want to do something so that you can leave here today knowing that you have been forgiven and knowing that you are complete in Christ. And so I'd like for you to look inside your program and find that, that piece of paper that's blank except for the box around it. And at the top it says, I am complete in Christ. And what I would like to ask you to do is to find that and recognize as you look at that sheet that it's only blank because you have written nothing personal down there. But God knows what that is. God knows the sin that you still struggle with, the sin that you are still addicted to. The lifestyle that you are still in bondage with, the part of your life that you want to remain hidden and you would be ashamed if other people found out about it. God knows what that is. And I'm going to ask you to write that down on that piece of paper right there. Find your pen right now and take this piece of paper and write it down. Many of you struggle with that. Write that down. Some of you Say, well, Pastor Fred, that doesn't apply to me. Well, here's one that does apply to you. Are you absolutely 100% certain that you are free from sin? Are you living in victory? Are you living your life complete in Christ? Are you living out the forgiveness that you have? Would you simply write a statement to God? Thank you that I am free Thank you that I am forgiven. Write that down on the piece of paper if that applies to you. Some of you here today need to ask for something specific. God, I want to be free of. God, I need forgiveness for. And write that down. You know, I was told one time the, when we began listing our sin, The list are different links. What determines the length of that list? And I was told this by a wise, godly man. He said, Fred, he said, The closer we are to the holiness of God, the more our personal sin is revealed. And the further we are from God it's hard to see personal sin and so i would say to you could it be that if your list is short that you are far from god and could it be if your list begins as you start writing begins to get long you would say man i didn't realize i was such a mess i would say you're moving in the direction god wants you to go so that He can clean you up. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a few minutes, and in the privacy of where you are, you find the pen, and you write what you need to say to God. The sins that He has forgiven you for and nailed to the cross. Thank Him for that. The sin that has you in bondage and addiction that you need to be free of, write that down. You're going to nail it to the cross today and find freedom there. Whatever it is that you need to say to God, and all of us need something, take a few moments, your time with God, And I'm going to pray for you while you listen to God, while you write some things down. And then we're going to move this wooden cross to right here in the front. And we're going to take a few minutes for us to walk forward and pick up a hammer and a nail. We have it on both sides. You can move to the out, outside first, cycle toward the front. Nail your list, fold it over three or four times. Nobody is going to see this. You do not put your name on it. This is private between you and God. Nail it to the cross. Make it real for you. Recognize that, that when Christ was nailed to the cross, it was gone. And I want you to be free of it today, whatever it is that's holding you back, whatever it is that's condemning you, and that you live here complete in Christ. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray that today you will speak right now in the, in the quietness of this room, in the uh, stillness of this room. Speak to each man and each woman that's here. Lord, I know I've challenged them like like many have never been challenged before to do something that's really out of the box. But, Lord, I know you want us to experience freedom in Christ because our sins were nailed to the cross. Lord, today there are some sins in my life that I need to nail to the cross. Lord, some things I thought I was over that I'm really not. Lord, some forgiveness that I need to experience that I I thought that I dealt with, but I really haven't. And Lord, I believe this this is true for so many of us here today. So Lord, I pray that as we move at the end of this service that you will meet each one of us at the point of our need as we confess to you the things we are writing down as we come forward today and nail them down on the cross, Lord. Help us to experience complete freedom and forgiveness of our salvation in Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Please take just a moment to reflect on this sermon. Thanks again for listening. And for more information, visit our website at elevationbillings.com.